Why have traditional recessionary indicators not been reliable in today's economic environment? Why does the consensus on the timing and probability of a recession differ so significantly? Have these indicators officially lost their potency after this cycle? Welcome to Le Chiffre's Inside the Street. Today's Monday, November 27th, and I'm your host, Robert Nahigian. Now, before I jump into an overview of the recent recessionary indicators and today's macro climate, I wanted to just take a look back into first what these traditional indicators are, as well as what role they played leading up to historical recessions. Now, the big one I wanted to start off with is the inverted yield curve. So just a brief overview here, the common analysis used is comparing the yield on two-year and 10-year treasuries. Now, generally speaking, in normal economic conditions, the interest rates on longer-term bonds should be higher than interest rates on short-term bonds. In other words, the yield curve should be upward sloping because holders of long-term debt would theoretically be holding on to more risk just given that uncertainty. However, looking back in July of 2022, interest rates on long-term bonds fell below the rates of short-term bonds. This meant the yield curve was inverted, and now holders of short-term debt were the ones carrying more risk. And it was at this time when talks of a recession began as bond investors began to expect a decline in long-term interest rates, and the market began to move money out of short-term debt instruments, which began to create this very pessimistic sentiment. Now, looking back at historical instances of an inverted yield curve, it's predicted nearly every recession in the past few decades. The big question here is, this inversion happened around a year and a half ago, but what's different today? We think about debt, we think about banks and how active banks will be in the short term, and a factor that may be sort of distorting the impact of this indicator in and of itself may simply be the demand for capital despite this inversion. Major banks have not really been hurt by this inversion. We, we've talked about the impacts of tighter credit markets on those smaller banks, but the bigger institutions have been able to maintain their interest margins because one, the cost of borrowing is high, but two, they've been very slow to raise interest rates paid to depositors. Now, something else that's very different in today's macro with regards to that broader demand for capital I mentioned in tighter markets was just the, the rise of these new private debt funds. They've been sort of filling the void that was traditionally always empty leading up to historical recessions. So I guess that's something to think about as well. Um, another rule I wanted to speak on here is the SAM rule about the moving average unemployment. Now, similar to the inverted yield curve, the SAM rule has also predicted nearly every recession. Now, the SAM rule pretty much points to the beginning of a recession when the three-month moving average of the unemployment rate rises by a half percentage point or more relative to its 12-month low. Now, the unemployment rate rising to 3.9% last month indicates that this rule is active. But the question is, have to keep asking ourselves with these indicators, what's different today? Well, it appears that despite weaker conditions, firms still want labor. We saw back in May, employers added almost 340,000 jobs, which was around a 2.5% annual gain. And I would argue that the story is fairly similar across all indicators and in that the economy is demonstrating resilience. And resilience is the biggest factor 
that has been complicating the Fed's tightening agenda. Another factor I wanted to highlight is just the runoff of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, of course, we can't really point to recessions where global pandemics were a precursor to, but and the effects of this unique time has certainly ran off into the environment we're experiencing today. Just for example, excess savings and consumption patterns were altered significantly as a result of a massive spike in wages for the lower class in the aftermath of the pandemic. A manufacturing PMI as an indicator to economic expansion or contraction has also been distorted as a result of the pandemic, and it's been contracting over the past several months but it could simply be a continued reflection of ongoing pandemic stimulus effects. But since 2022, consumer spending on goods has slightly eased, but consumer spending on services has completely surged. And as I mentioned previously, if the Fed agenda is to slow down economic activity and consumers are being resilient, those unique consumption patterns are going to continue to complicate the Fed's outlook, assuming that those patterns continue. And just look back at beginning of 2023, we could say that the sentiment was pretty bright at the time. We had a rally in equities and resilient economic growth outlooks, and markets were just generally optimistic, adopting almost this no-landing consensus. However, given the unique nature of the markets we've been in, another very unique series of events just had to happen. This sentiment was immediately disrupted by banking turmoil and the failure of Silicon Valley Bank along with Signature and First Republic and just pointed to a hawkish Fed that would likely further tighten financial rules. Consumers immediately had less faith in the banking system and began to migrate their capital to the biggest and most established banks. This, as a result, created tighter rates, tighter credit markets, and just an overall weaker sentiment. Again, talks of a recession began to skyrocket. But where are we now? We'll, we'll see this idea of markets adopting the fact that interest rates will be higher for longer, but still leaving uncertainty around the timing of when those rates will fall. I would argue that these historical recessionary indicators may not truly be effective anymore, and the consensus probability for a recession is still very cloudy. It appears that the markets will have to turn to new measures in predicting recessions, and I think that analysts' forecasts and recession predictions drive the markets in and of themselves. So how much of the sentiment is created by reaction to historical indicators? How much of the sentiment is created by analyst predictions? How much of those reactions are actually warranted and given these new conditions, what are some new indicators that analysts are going to have to look for in accurately predicting a strong and firm economic outlook in these highly unique times? I'm going to leave it there for this time. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe and download the podcast. Follow the company LinkedIn page to stay up to date with all of our latest market commentary. But with that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. This material is published solely for informational purposes and may not be copied or recreated in any way. This podcast is not an offer to buy or sell any investment product and takes no liability for being incorrect about events that may occur within the markets. Remember that the financial markets are subject to change and past performance is not an indicator of future results. It is important to conduct your own research and carefully evaluate any financial decision prior to acting on it.